0: Jesus, Deacon, Deacon Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. Uh, good morning, Father. I truly ask that you get me out of the way, that your truths, the Word of God, would be lifted up, that through the power of the Holy Spirit we would understand and obey. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. At this time, we're going to talk about God. We're going to study the Scriptures. Now, the important thing about the Bible is that, first of all, we want to take all our preconceived ideas about religion and throw them out the door. And hopefully they'll burn in hell. We don't want to hear about religion. We're here to learn about Jesus. We want a relationship with Jesus. We want the purpose and meaning of life to be fulfilled in us through Jesus, right? Right? That's what it's all about. This story, even though it's a topical sermon series, it's on biblical truth. And that biblical truth, first of all, is something of the big fancy term is called meta-narratives. You ever heard of that? Does anyone know what it means? Big story. Meta, big, and narrative is a story, right? The books, the type of meta-narratives we're talking about, the Bible is full of meta-narratives. Now, let's keep this in mind. To say the Bible's full of stories or meta-narratives, major stories that go throughout the different books, is a miraculous statement. Because unlike any other religious book out there, the Bible has 40 different authors from different countries, different times, that took over 1,400 years to write. And yet the stories are there, jumping through book after book hundreds of thousands of years. No, no way did a human just write that down. If you want a book of evil, you read the book of, of the Quran. Read the Quran if you want a book of evil. All right. Go read the Hindu books. If you want books of man-made, wacky religions and millions of gods and elephants with its 20 arms and you want all that weirdness, go somewhere else. If you want the truth, the creation of the universe, the meaning and purpose in life and mer- the miracles of the scripture itself, it's the Bible. There is no way that book could be what it is if it was merely written by humans. You can't! say that okay so in that meta narrative the one particular story arc we're going to look at is reflected or resonates in cultural books now there's a popular type of book genre you know all the fancy term genre we say that all the time don't we no we don't there's a type of books type, type of books that lots of people like to read and they've been making lots of money off the movies they're called young adult books all right And young adult books have a certain arc to them. And when we consider them, all these art uh, books from Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, The Maze, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, all these books have a certain story arc, and we're going to look at the chapters in a minute. But they're popular with young people because usually teenagers, when they're becoming teenagers, they're moving away from their adults, they're starting to own their own beliefs, right? And deciding if they're going to believe what their parents believed. And they're moving into this new world and they're deciding and exploring what does this really mean. Why are my parents getting up and going to work and coming home? What's this daily cycle, this daily grind about? right they're questioning things it's an awesome time to for youth ministry that's an awesome time to talk to kids because unfortunately the the one time when they should be listening carefully to their parents if they have christian parents they're not Right? They usually that's when they doubt everything. And usually if they don't get certain questions answered before they go to college, right, and we got people at college, then they get these professors who just think they know it all. Right? And then they come down with all their snooty woody, they hate God nonsense and dump it on our kids. Right? So we got to train and equip them. But the story arc I'm gonna talk about here, we'll go into the chapters, is part of that story arc is Losing friends and then gaining friends. So we all remember this fella, right? Harry Potter. Now remember, he lived in the in the uh, stairwell of the Muggle family, and um, nobody liked him. He was the outcast. He didn't fit in, and and that's, and this is what resonates more with the kids. This isn't just the wizardry, where, you know, which was bad or whatnot, biblically bad. But it was the fact that here's a kid not feeling he fits in, or all the people around him, you know, it's just a d- depressing, miserable life. He gets this invitation, he goes to this new world, and he gets all these new friends who are like him. Oh, wow, right? They're like him, but they're different. How about this uh, girl coming up here? Come on, show yourself. All right, you all know who she is with her bow? Right? Choing, choing, right? She, choing, chowing. she goes to, she she, uh, protects her sister by taking her place in these war games where teenagers fight to the death, and sometimes it's not just teenagers. And she gets friends where she wouldn't have hung out with them before. These two, even though they were in the same uh, village, were different social classes and they didn't really connect, all right? So then they they come now they 're all in this fight in the game, and as the stories develop they 're all joined together doing war and i don 't know all the complications. I barely handled the first movie all right so <laughs> But here's the big idea in general. Let me give you the overview. First, is the daily grind of life, right? And that's usually what teens are thinking about. Ah, You've got to do all this. Then there's the invitation. You just can't say no. For a Christian, you can't say no to God because saying no to God is not an ability, all right? And we'll talk about the zombies out there a little later. But then once you come to Christ, you discover that there's a whole new world, and there's a spiritual world, and it's like, whoa, and like the lights turned on. My favorite movie, The Matrix... Right? They tell him take the green pill or the blue pill. Then he remembers that he takes the pill and all of a sudden, whoa, a whole new world, right? That is not an allusion to drugs, alright? So then <laughs> then discovering the great war and realizing that you're part of it. Harry Potter goes to his new world and all of a sudden there's a bad guy he didn't even knew. Didn't even know there was a guy out there who solely wanted to get him, and he didn't even do anything, right? There's a bag out there that wants to get you. But you are special. You have a special call, and you have, you're specially equipped. Good. And uh, that's part of the big story. Then um, your old friends begin to leave you. They begin to separate. Old friends want nothing to do with you. For Christians, that's really true, because your old friends want to live a certain way. You're walking this way. you got friends. you got family that say you're crazy. You know, and they actually will tell you don't go that way. And even if you don't, even if you're not mean to them, even if you're just going and trying to be better, they consider that a betrayal. Even with family. And now chapter seven is you discover new friends who are special too. Right? And then of course chapter 8 is embrace the purpose and call and then, you know, then you go on to book 2 or 3 or whatever. But this story arc is in all those young adult narratives. This whole story arc is always there. And in that the individual, the main character finds meaning and purpose for why they exist. So last week we talked about losing your friends. All right, And we're going to spend a few more minutes on that, but then this week is about getting new friends. And that's what chapter seven's about, getting new friends, Christian friends. So here we go. I just want to bring up a few things. Now I want you to hear this. Let me get to this. And if you can't read this, I'll read it to you. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 6, listen to these amazing words. If this isn't out of one of these novels, you know, this is... The crazy thing is, you, you read uh, fantastic stuff out of those fiction novels. But what you're about to read is factual truth. It is truth. It is not my opinion. So let's make sure we get that out of the way. This is Peter who was with Jesus. This is what he says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect... Exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So let me stop right there. To those who are elect, God goes through and grabs people who want to go to hell. People who hate God. He grabs them and He saves them despite them. Yeah, I know you want to go to hell. I'm going to save you. John chapter 3, born again. It says it even in 1 Peter, born again. Bam! And he starts rescuing people and preparing them for a new life for his service and glory. And now these are exiles, which means these are Christians that the government came down on them and said, stop being a Christian. And they were all exiled or their homes were destroyed. He's writing to them. Right, Christianity is not the religion you want to be in if you want to be socially accepted. Especially nowadays. Now let's keep going. Verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father... In the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling of his, of his blood, may grace, grace and peace be multiplied to you. There is so much theology in this one sentence. How do I unpack it without a sermon? Right? Foreknowledge of God. God chose you before the foundations of the world. Right? It didn't mean God looked down in the foundation, saw who would choose him, so he choose them, because then who has the power? You do. It's in your pocket. No, God chose before the creation of the world. And then He sanctified us. Sanctified means set apart. God's grabbing you, puts the Holy Spirit in you, makes you born again, pulls you out. Got it? That's pretty cool. Because, yay, it's not dependent on me. Right? And why did He do it? For obedience to Jesus. You see all the theology in two sentences? For obedience to Jesus. And for the sprinkling with His blood. Because it's the blood of Jesus why anyone in this room is ever going to heaven. Do not rely on your works. Do not rely on your religion. Because it will not get you into heaven. Only Jesus will get you there. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy... He has caused us to be born again. Did you make yourself born the first time? I like to remind us all of this. Nobody scheduled their own birth. I just want to make sure that's obvious. Nobody scheduled their second birth. Because it's spiritual, it's of the Holy Spirit. It was not on your agenda. It was on God's agenda. And look. He has caused. Who did it? He, God. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Easter, Jesus is alive. Jesus flew up to heaven like Superman. Jesus owns the universe. He's the king. Alright? To an inheritance that is imperishable. Can you lose an inheritance that is imperishable? No. No. Because it's... Imperishable, imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, but wait a minute. I might mess up. I might fail. I might fall. Well, yeah. This day isn't going to go isn't going to end and everyone in this room is going to sin worthy enough of hell. Yes. Again. And that's if you're doing good. Okay? Amen. <laughs> The, the fact that you or I could even acknowledge we did something bad is a good start, but it also reveals that we have no idea how evil we really are. And we have to keep that in mind as the debt we owe God for existing is infinite. Because we sin against an infinite God. So one little white lie against an infinite God is an infinite sin. Does that make sense? I'm giving you guys some serious heavy-duty theology here. Now look at this. Who by God's power, does it say by your efforts? Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time? But you can say, Jeff, it's through faith. I've got to drum up the faith, right? If we watch enough TV preachers, we know that, oh, i got to have faith. i got to get the faith. i got to believe. I, 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 aye. And it's like, if you, if you can conjure up enough of faith, blah, then you can get the new car. Right? But that's not biblical. Because guess where faith comes from? God. You can't give yourself more faith. You can't oh, I've believe. I've got to believe. i got to believe. i got to believe. If you want to give yourself more faith, read your Bible better. Read it more. Read it more deeply. And then you can get the knowledge because you can't believe in something that you don't even know. So if you're not reading your Bible, you don't know what to believe in. You don't have faith. You have uh, TV faith. And whatever the History Channel tells you. And that's not faith, that's poison. God even gives faith. For this you rejoice, though for now, a little while, it is necessary. You have been grieved by various trials. So now, there's there's some deep theology. That give you something to chew on. I want to talk about trials for a minute. So, here we go. Here's the... Christians go against the flow. A Christian goes after Jesus no matter what. The rest of the world, who are dead in their sin and trespasses, here are zombies from Minecraft, they're going the other way. (laughs) Right? Christians follow Jesus, the rest of the world says, change your Facebook picture to a rainbow color, right? The rest of the world says, worship sin, worship death, worship the earth. And Christians say, no, we worship Jesus even if the government doesn't like it. And we obey Jesus, right? And we go the other way. Now, what happens is when you're a brand new Christian and God grabs that that zombie, brings it to life, puts you on a camel and sends you back to Jerusalem or Bethlehem in this case, right? Um, Your friends aren't following you. And there's a time of suffering, of especially for me as a new Christian, all right? You tell all your friends about Jesus. I was very faithful within six months of becoming a new Christian in my 20s with my loser nerd friends. I took them all aside and said, Hey, I'm following Jesus. I'm not following religion, but this Jesus is awesome. I told them all. They all said, I'm not interested. And they went one way, and I had to go the other way. I lost my friends <coughs> in that case. Uh, you lose family too. And family, yeah. I knew when I had to go to church, that was a signal, a Sunday evening service our little church had, as family would give me grief. Why are you going there? I didn't do anything wrong. I was just going to, going to church and I was getting a guilt trip like I was doing something wrong by going. It's like, there's just something fundamentally wrong with a grown-up telling me, don't go to church. That's, that, that is right out of a twisted horror movie. Something right out of the twilight zone. You know, really weird. But um, once, you're, once all your friends go the other way and you're, you're left alone, there's suffering involved. Didn't you just give your life to Jesus? Don't you, didn't you decide that Christ is more important than anything else? Where's the support? Alright, for me... There was nothing. I was exploring new churches. I didn't really have a church family, right? I, after, besides a day job, I, had, I got to take a lot of naps because I now had no more social life. OK? So being a young 20-year-old something with no social life is pretty rugged. You know? It's what do you do? The new church had strangers. All I had was like daily Bible reading, which was not a habit. Right? To even have a Bible that I was reading was difficult to do. It's like, I'm opening this Bible. Right? At least we had a pool. I could sit up by the pool in the summertime and open this Bible, drink some Pepsi, open the Bible, right? And then read a little bit and try to get it. Okay? It's like, whoa. But praying, praying was good. Uh, lots of praying. Not formal praying, and none of that. It was a lot of walking up and down the street going, I'm a 20-year-old loser, Lord, help me! Right? Lots of supplication prayers going on. But there's your suffering. The moment you start living for Jesus, poof, you ever have that, you know, that? here's a bad illustration, you ever have like uh, greasy water in the, in a, in the uh, dish sink, and then you take a little bit of dish soap and whoop, and what happens to the grease? Right? That's what happens when you become a Christian. Everyone around you goes, "Ah!" and they run away from you. Okay? That's true. (laughs) Um, But one point I thought was interesting is I went to visit a friend in New Hampshire. Now, from Maine to New Hampshire, although they're close states, it's not like here where you have to drive through three states just to go to the store. To go to New Hampshire, was a four or five hour ride and for a mainer, I might as well have been going to the other side of the world. So I went and visited a friend then went to church that Sunday and I, I had no idea people other than in my small community believed the same things about the Bible. I didn't realize there were Christians in even other states. I thought I, I was kind of concerned. I, was, I didn't even trust the Bible fully. And did it really mean what it said? And was I reading a, a safe translation? I'm telling you, this was not an easy path to walk for Jesus. Because no grown-up anywhere could I trust, ever trusted, who was telling me the history of the Scriptures. I didn't know there was 2,000 years of church history to back up those scriptures. I didn't know that. It was very scary. And then to go to a church, and it's like, what I was reading, they were reading, and they were getting the same conclusion I was getting. I'm like, whoa. that's God's big. He's in New Hampshire. This is amazing. Okay? There's there's a lot uh, lot of scary growing. And sometimes there's boredom, because there is no social life around you. But... God sends us into the church. Now... Uh, why trials for baby Christians? If you live for Jesus, your life will get more complicated. So, I, two, just fellowship this morning. Two guys come up talking about busy schedules. I know. I got busy schedules too. Crazy busy schedules. It's, a, it's an amazing blessing, and if I manage it well, it's going to be a great blessing. If I don't manage it well, it's going to drive me nuts. All right. First Peter one seven. So that the tested. So that the tested genuineness of your faith. More precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why do Christians suffer? It's to test your faith. It purifies us. It purges us. It makes the, it makes the most important things the most important. And it, the only reason this works is because we're so sinful. The scripture also says it's better to be in the house of mourning than in the house of, of pleasure or party time. Because a sinner, unfortunately, needs discipline, needs pain to grow up in Christ. And that's what God's after. He's after our hearts. All right, 1 Peter 1 8 through 23. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Right? I mean, I have not seen any weird uh, visions of Jesus, but I know. That if if I was to move to Timbuktu tomorrow Sunday, I would find a church to be in there because I love Jesus. I, this is not about religion. I am in crazy blessed to be able to shout the Bible to people once a week, right? To be able to dig into the Scriptures and give it to people, man, that's it. That if I could do anything, it'd be talk about Jesus to people, right? I do love him. I hate religion, but I love Jesus. Can you say that? Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, there it is again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Okay? This is amazing amounts of deep, rich theology of God telling us where it's at. Okay? I'm going to move on. So I don't explode your brains. Now we get... So now here I am, a young Christian, and I remember telling my friend who, who led me to Jesus, which was not in a church. We were sitting at a at table at his house drawing cartoon characters. And he, said, and he put his hand on my shoulder and he says, Jeff, if you want to be serious about this, you've got to ask Jesus to save you. You've got to yield to Christ. And I said, I'll do it on my own time, mister. All right? It's weird religious stuff. We're not even in church and you're giving me religious stuff. Of course, I went home, and that's exactly what I did. I prayed again. You know, I prayed once when I was 12, but 20, 21, I prayed again. And I said, okay, Jesus, I got it. This is it. This is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm for you. Take it all. Take it all. You, I belong to you, right? And then I went back to my friend, and I said, listen, I did it. I prayed. But I'll tell you what I'm never going to do. I'm never going to push the Bible on anybody. I'm never going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to go hide in the woods, get a wife, and hide in the woods in a house for the rest of my life. So, uh, well, some of that came true, right? (laughs) And uh, what he said to me, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, Sure, Jeff, okay, just keep reading your Bible. So when you read your Bible, you come across verses like this. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And I want to jump down to 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, for He is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Okay, I just want to highlight two things here. A Christian cannot, cannot the free will ability to be stupid is being pulled out of you. You cannot keep on sinning because God is changing you despite you. It is not a choice. Okay, so people who are an unrepentant big sin, big sin, and they say God's just going to let me, they're not repenting. There's something else going on because you can't read the scripture, see God says something's a sin, and then say, well, there's nothing in your heart that's yielding to Christ, okay? But this is the one that got me just not love his brother, okay? So it's like, wait a minute, well, I'm not even part of a church. How can I love other Christians, right? And uh, how am I supposed to fulfill this command other than go find a local church? So, and I know nothing. All I knew about churches is that they were huge. They had lots of statues and lots of ceremony growing up as a Catholic. All right? Our pews, if you notice, we don't even have pews, but there's no knee things. Usually under a Catholic church there's these knee things that flip down so that after you've done communion you can kneel. And a couple times during a service you will kneel on these knee pads. All right. Um, it's part of the, of the ritual as well. Um, but as a new disciple, I had to learn to obey God's commands and look at this pattern. See if you don't recognize maybe three of these five disciplines. Hint, hint. Uh, I had to love fellow Christians. Where am I going to find fellow Christians? One of the most obvious places is the local church. Right, which happens to be fellowship. Which for me led into doing ministry and even parachurch ministry. So I went from a loser, nobody, 20-year-old living in my parents' basement to getting involved with a local church. I remember one time, it's a little bigger than this, but not much. And it was a Wednesday. I came in for the prayer meeting, right? The only 20-year-old coming to prayer meeting. And I come into the back, and nobody's there. And the back is right here. And there's a door right here. So I open up the door, and the church is full of people. And there's people up here, and there's puppets. And I'm like, what's going on? So I just casually walk through, go sit down next to the pastor. What's this? He goes, it's a VBS. I'm like, what's that? What's a VBS stand for? Right? <laughs> I didn't know. Right? So sitting there and learning even that there's ministries. Oh, you mean I can be, do something in a local church? I didn't even know. Okay? So lots of adventures, but God starts filling you back up with good things, with godly things, especially if you're willing. 1 John 3.23, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of Son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. 1 John 3.24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Alright? All right. So this is what's going on. I'm a bumbling idiot full of ignorance walking around and the Holy Spirit is just letting me experience these things. Amazing things. See, the best I can do with you other than sharing scripture is share with you that I did not grow up as a Christian. I did not grow up following Jesus. I did not grow up going to a church where the Bible was preached. The first time I remember going to this particular small church and the pastor actually had overhead projector. Remember them? With a light? And he was showing a, a chart of how people's ages started to diminish after the flood. And I'm like... This guy's teaching Noah like it was a fact. This is mind-blowing. All right? Whoever taught Noah as a fact and then had a historical chart of humans' lifespans diminishing. What? From the Bible? All right? That's, That's cool. That was crazy cool. But God begins to fill your life with different things. Finding God's people at the local church Here's what the first church did with the apostles, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 44. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So, as I begin to wrap up here... One of the things I got to experience was getting involved in church. I was able to get involved in a parachurch ministry called Teen City, which was three other different churches of denominations. I really didn't know what they stood for. It didn't matter. And once a month we did teen events, right? And from that I got to meet a guy out of uh, Peru, Maine, I think that's where he was at the time, who was the director of a Bible camp, Burian Bible camp, who went to Lancaster Bible College. And him and I became really good friends, right? Because he's ministering in his, and we'd get together, and we'd watch all night sci-fi, right? He was a Christian nerd, right? And then we got our youth groups together and would go all the way back to New Hampshire for um, Newsboys. And uh, who's the other guys? Crazy band, awesome band. Audio Adrenaline. We went to see them head-to-head, and because it was late, newsboys actually bought pizzas for everybody in line, a couple hundred people. So there you are, the, new, the drummer the newsboys comes up and hands you pizza. right? It's like, this is cool! right? Lots of adventures. I remember waiting at a church with, a, with another... We're going to take a youth group on a, on a weekend missions trip during a snowstorm. So what, what do Christians do while they're waiting for permission to go on a missions trip or a trip? We got up and we worship and prayed. We're all in the sanctuary... And we prayed, and all of a sudden we get the call. Roads are clearing up. You guys can head out. Bam, we all jump in the van and head off again out of Maine, Massachusetts. Now I'm a world traveler. I'm in Massachusetts and New Hampshire, right? And the world, God just keeps making your world bigger if you're willing to follow him and serve him and filled it with friends and real friends, friends. Uh, We just had missionaries come back from the Canary Islands. We went and ate at Subway just the other week, and we got right into it. It was being a three hour meeting, and we just got right to the real stuff real manly fellowship, talking about ministries and encouraging one another, and then he was gone. It's like, but that, there was so much salt in that fellowship, so much miracle in that, far more than what the world could ever offer. So Jesus replaces the old and the yucky, the old and the busted, with the new and awesome. That's what he does. And of course, each story is different. I'm going to jump to some end slides and we'll be done. But one thing's for sure, it's a Christian adventure if you're willing to serve Christ. Right? Uh, even Becky went, how many missions trips to Brazil? At least two? Two. Right? I mean, the missions trips, the the adventures are waiting for anybody. But... We have these commands from Romans 12, 10 through 13, "Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor." Honestly, the, the missions team that came to our church this summer, the lead pastor, yes. he was driving me nuts, because he was doing this. I, he was coming. He was so humble, and so he had that. it's like, I can't get lower than you. This is driving me nuts. This guy was so humble, I couldn't beat it. Right? It was was very uncomfortable. I'm just the 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 way he portrayed a servant's heart just made me really uncomfortable because he's like he's doing such a good job, and that's exactly what the scripture commands us to do: outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and pray in prayer and con, uh, constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. If that's a list of commandments, Stu, did I just complicate your week? If we were to take this to heart and you and I all have a busy week, did I just complicate it? All right, well, I hope I didn't, but did God just complicate it? So, And this one last friendship I want to talk about just for a second. And this is the most incredible one. And it's the fellowship of God, the triune God. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, And that is the relationship that drives it all. That fellowship has no equal... It is the engine of everything, and that's John 14:21 through 23. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What God in any religious book says that? Right? And we're almost done. Revelation three, nineteen through twenty-two. This is not a salvation prayer, this is a repentance prayer uh, statement from Jesus. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right? This is a call to the churches to repent. This is not an altar call. All right? Um and, of course, friends of Jesus in John fifteen eleven through 16, "...these things I spoke to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends." For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go bear much fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Almost done. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. John fourteen, fifteen, through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You always see that pattern? If you love me, keep my commandments. His commandments are in the Bible. We know they're in the Bible because we read them. And you will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you for how long? Till you sin next? No, forever. Even the Spirit of Truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him. You know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. And we wrap up with this. Father God... All three. First Corinthians three, twenty-one through twenty-three. This is the last one. Hang in there, boys and girls. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. That's a that's an apostle talking to the Christian church. All are yours, and you are in Christ, and Christ is God's. Understand? what the Christian inherits, where you stand at the throne of God if you belong to God. Let's pray. Father, that was the tip of the iceberg. I hope and pray through the Holy Spirit that they got it, that the folks in this room got it and want you more than anything else because that's all that matters in the end. Be glorified, Jesus. Amen from Bible's websites to theology apps to blogs there are so many fantastic resources for Christians get the latest news and reviews on what is out there to help you grow in Christ the truth is here